both in the plant and insect world, there are things that are moved around that shan't be legally, whether they be endangered species or potentially pose a great risk to the new habitats that we moved into. And we found these articles very interesting because you typically don't associate, you know, illegal, what do you call them, smuggling rings with plant trade and or insect trade. Right. When you think like we don't talk about plant crime. Like right. that's not a, we should start a plant crime class here at Texas Tech to just talk about <laughs> yeah, just like all the criminals and make them look like really bad. People. <laughs> like they're just, these guys are dangerous because they smuggle this particular butterfly, which is endangered in, you know, the Philippines or whatever. And, and, <laughs> and like, when in reality, it's like millennials taking cuttings from succulents at Walmart or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fallen cuttings. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Sweeping them up off the ground. Yeah. Plants and insects. A seemingly inconsequential part of our daily lives. Except for those that would seek to take advantage of them. This is Jolly Green Crime. My name is Irfan Vafai with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And I'm Vikram Baliga with Texas Tech University. And this is Jolly Green Scientists, a podcast where we digest research articles and findings from trade magazines pertaining to the green industry and regurgitate them for you. Yeah, so th- so there's this really neat article here uh, written by Jani Actman, uh, and this is for the National Geographic, where uh, this, this journalist basically follows uh, this whole like illegal insect trade. The name of the article is Bug Smuggling is Big Business. And it is. You know, we often think about animal trade, uh, you know, whether it be elephant tusks or it might be uh, or actually one of the most popular ones on Netflix. What is it? Joe Exotic, right? Like we think about yeah. uh, like, uh, you know, tigers, exotic tigers and animals. And we think of, of how uh, kind of crazy that is. And it happens also uh, with insects, and we might not think about it being you know much of an issue. We might kind of scoff at it, but in many cases, there are some highly endangered species that can be smuggled. And in some cases, there have been some insects that have uh, been smuggled, escaped containment, and been a huge economic pest in some situations. Like they talk about in this article, stick insects on hibiscus in California. Yeah, and that you know and that's that's a real concern. Um, my wife's science museum did um, a butterfly exhibit. They've done it a few times, and they'll bring in mm-hmm. both native and exotic butterflies. And they have like almost airlocks, or no, I mean they are airlocks essentially at at the entrance and the exit where you know. They, they talk about don't touch a butterfly, don't grab a butterfly, you can't take them with you. And then they'll actually like make you spin around, check your coat, all of that stuff on the way out. Because it t- turns out like the USDA takes that pretty seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love. So this article starts off by saying special agent Ryan Bessie was in his <laughs> office, the New Jersey branch of the US. Like this article starts off literally like an episode of CSI. Like it we're does. about to learn about a crazy smuggling ring of some really crazy stuff going special on. Special agent. <laughs> yeah, special agent. And I would love to be, I mean, that's probably uh, the, the most risk-free type of special agent. You're investigating bug smugglers. Like, don't get me wrong. Some can be potentially dangerous, but... Um, I feel like that'd be kind of a fun job. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, 
I just, I think about like the water cooler conversations. Like if they're in the same office with like, you know, other federal agents, like, oh man, I took down this like, you know, train robber or <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Like a major, like a human trafficker or something like that. Yeah. You know? Like I took down this huge human trafficking ring and da, 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 da. What did you do, Ryan? Uh, some guy <laughs> was taking cockroaches and I made him stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, like oh, this guy was transporting 115 emperor scorpions and two <laughs> shipments from Cameroon. Pretty I serious. Stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, I hope this is no disrespect, especially no. Ryan busy. No, it's just, uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's remarkable work, but it's also just, it's not on the top of our minds when we think of a special agent and the type of work that they do. Um, and so what's, What's amazing is, so the, the, well, what's amazing, what's um, kind of interesting is these smugglers will often use a lot of uh, local collectors from these different countries, right? And uh, pay them pennies on the dollar. So they will collect these often endangered species. Um, Usually you need some kind of both an export permit from that country. So that country you're taking an insect or plant from, those species belong to that country. You need an export permit. And then also whatever country you're moving it into, you need an import permit. So to avoid all of that, they're basically just saying that these things are like plush toys for, you know, their nephews or whatever uh, for, uh, you know, for customs. So customs for the most part would just be like, okay, these are toys and let it go. Uh, Every once in a while, um, some of these thing critters would break loose uh, or they would inspect some of these packages and, shoot, all of a sudden there's, you know, a bunch of tarantulas inside, right? you know, like some highly endangered butterflies. Well, and I don't, you, you may, we're about the same age. So you may remember this back in the like late nineties, early two thousands, when this is going to be a really strange reference, uh, beanie babies came out. Like they yeah. were this big thing, right? Oh, yeah. that was. There was this like conspiracy theory that floated around on the early internet that was like, they were full of like spider eggs and that one day, like, oh they were going to, you know, hatch and all these beanie babies would, like, have, like, spiders porn. That that could be real. <laughs> That's a real yeah. thing. <laughs> if you still have a beanie baby somewhere in your house, please inspect them for spider eggs. <laughs> yeah. Turn them over to customs, U.S. customs. Turn them over to, yeah. Please contact your local USDA office and tell them that you have a beanie baby. Um, you know, again, like, many examples of... People shipping uh, small cylinders containing eggs of orchid mantises. Uh, so these are like special type of praying mantises that look like orchid flowers. But again, like highly uh, endangered and or not found endemic in our region. So it's like you're importing these things uh, into a region they're not supposed to be. Now, it's kind of neat. When you go to an entomology conference, we have these like national conferences that's all just insect scientists. And it's thousands of us. And those be mind blowing for some of you that there are <laughs> thousands of insect scientists that get together in large expo centers to talk insects every <laughs> single year, except for 2020 because it's well, 2020. Sure. Yeah, sure. But um, in the expo, there is always uh, this one uh, stand called BioQuip, this one company that has this like several tables laid out of a bunch of insects that you can buy live or in cases uh includes like tarantulas cockroaches beetles like all kinds of really cool stuff i've always been very tempted to get one but it's just the the maintenance of it that i'm not so sure about it feels like a lot of work it yeah it would be a lot of work but these guys are known as like they're considered the gold standard for ethical and legal sourcing right so they go through all the hoops make sure that the country they're getting it from has the export permits 
and that they have the import permits to bring them in. They don't bring in, I think it was more than like a hundred individuals of a single species from a specific country within a given year. So they're uh, minimizing impact of that, that population within that mm-hmm. region. And obviously, you know, not importing anything endangered. Um, but when you, you know, buy things off eBay, for example, so there are certain species that are endangered that they slightly modify the Latin name. They like slightly abbreviate it and sell it on eBay for like over a thousand dollars, like one butterfly, for example, that, um, there's a good chance that that's probably not, uh, kosher. It's probably not illegal. Yeah. And, um, in doing so, you're kind of supporting an illegal trade of these insects, potentially further endangering that particular species or potentially posing a risk to our local ecosystem. And lastly, probably breaking a federal law, which is also it's kind of a big deal. You shouldn't do yeah, that. Kind of a big deal. And, and so there are even um, some cases, you know, there's this one gentleman here that let's see, got um, six month, six months, I think it was of house arrest and uh, two years of probation, which for the year 2020, six months of house arrest. I think we've all done that. We've all we done have. time basically have. already. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. I was like, you're reading that. I'm like, that's not that bad. Yeah. No. <laughs> We're, we're on to what? We're on basically month six right pretty now. Much, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Oh, another interesting thing. Yeah. So there is this, um, there is a beetle that is uh, named after Hitler. Again, being in 2020, I might want to put out a petition to change that name or something. <laughs> the the Hitler beetles have escaped. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The Hitler beetles have escaped. <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> yeah, it was named after Adolf Hitler and it's found in Slovenia. It's only found, I think it's like in two or three specific caves in Slovenia. So it's like highly endangered. Huh. And again, you have these uh, like, funny enough, right-wing extremists that are poaching and or collecting these things and selling them to persons that would be very fond of this particular species yet another reason why maybe we should just rename them like how uh, yeah. awesome would it be to rename you know like there's like some <laughs> p- very racist person that bought spent thousands of dollars on this beetle and has it with pride and it's like well actually the global scientific community doesn't recognize that latin name anymore <laughs> it's not yeah. something completely different and then, yeah they spent all this money on a beetle that was named after that well that's so weird yeah like i know everyone right? can't see this but i'm doing a very like patrick stewart from star trek next generation face palm yeah like <laughs> like i just i don't how is that possible <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird yeah so weird right right yeah, uh, so. but but it's it's funny what people like I, I guess people just want things, right? And especially, and the more rare it is, the bigger risk people seem to be uh, uh, willing to take to mm-hmm. get these things. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the the plant section, what are some of the like inherent? Ri- we talked about it a little bit. Uh, what are some of the inherent risks with moving some of these insects out of their ecosystems? I mean, so uh, yeah. So one one example that we mentioned was, I mean, if you're moving it into a new exotic region. Um, and let's say some type of an herbivore we've already seen, for example, for this year, the, the great concern of the murder hornet right now that, that name murder hornet, um, (laughs) is, is a little bit misleading, right? So it does cause deaths in Japan. Um, but what's more concerning, uh, well, I mean, that is obviously very concerning, right? Sure. But 
but uh, the the actual potential impact um, also includes what they do to honeybees. So they're called murder hornets because they decapitate honeybees at an incredibly rapid rate. So as an example, there's an exotic species that's coming unintentionally from um, you know shipping containers, and if they were to establish would potentially cause a huge problem uh, in terms of managed honeybees. Um, so other exotic species, similar type of thing. They could be their predators of some of our native species that are very important in our ecosystems or in our economics or our or, um, crop yields, or they could be herbivores that you know, become a major pest, like we've seen with crepe myrtle bark scale being a, a major pest of our crepe myrtles here in the south. Uh, we've seen things like spotted winged drosophila or brown marmorated stink bug. These are just a few like major uh, invasive species in the last, you know, what is it, 15, 20 years now that have really wreaked havoc, uh, economically speaking, on a lot of our um, crop yields. And because they escape their predators, you know, they find some new resources here that uh, no other uh, herbivore perhaps is really tapping into, so they really explode. Another problem can be that if you're extracting them from their ecosystem, uh, you know, either you're, you may be endangering their population right. or you may also be causing a, say, an imbalance. So depending on how many you're extracting, right? I mean, if you're just, you know, as entomologists, we uh, trap for, uh, have generalized traps all the time that collects and kills small, all kinds of small flies, right? But it's a, a very tiny proportion of the population that's there. If you're extracting some kind of an exotic, uh, sorry, a, a, an endangered species or one that's uh, keystone and or a little bit higher on the trophic level. So naturally, there's very fewer numbers uh, in that ecosystem. You could be causing a huge imbalance. If it's some kind of a predator and you're greatly decreasing them, you could be causing an artificial increase in the number of herbivores. And that might all of a sudden cause a decline in your plant material. So it just kind of throws everything off balance. Um, so that's another potential impact, at least on the actual ecosystem in which you're extracting things from. For sure. And I think it's just an important reminder that um, uh, things should exist where they exist, right? Like they're there for a reason. Right. And that we need to understand the potential impacts of moving any kind of species, any kind of organism from one place to another. So we won't go into it. But if you're out there listening, just Google cane toad. Yeah, and just oh spend gosh, like yeah. five minutes reading reading about the cane toad, and you'll kind of understand some of the potential ecological impacts of of really anything, even yeah. things that are intended for good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. So, did you have other thoughts on uh, the on entomology crime, insect crime? Uh, no, I, th I think that's kind of it. I think that's just kind of interesting. Um, again, that there are these uh, legal drug uh, legal trade rings of insects. If you want to get um, get one that's, that's legally sourced or that is ethical, um, you know, make sure you ask that supplier, you know, do, is this imported legally? How, how are you guys importing them or where are you importing them from? And again, there are a few companies out there that are going to be a little bit more, um, you know, already considered a bit of a gold standard. Uh, and so you may consider one of those or alternatively, I mean, you know, you can just appreciate these insects in their natural environment. And, and that, hopefully can in many instances be enough as well. Yeah. Go, go get a camera and take some pictures. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, okay. So I pulled uh, a very similar article actually just about plants. Um, yeah. And this, this was actually fairly recent. So this article came out in June and it, it kind of made the rounds in a couple of different places. Um, 
You've seen it in uh, the, the article I'm looking at right now is the San Antonio Express News uh, because this was a Texas issue. And, mm-hmm. the, and the title of this this article is smugglers sold thousands of protected living rock cacti found only in the Big Bend. And that's I mean, that's a pretty to the point good um, um, title. But then I pulled up uh, a different article on the same um, topic. And it says Texas, Texas's cactus cops battle to save rare desert beauty from smuggling gangs. I love that's um, I find that mind blowing. Like that could be a whole comedy <laughs> sketch series about these cops that are going after these smuggling gangs that are like, and just make them look like really bad people. You know I mean? Like in reality, I bet like they're just, they're just people trying to take advantage of an economically advantageous situation, right? Like they are, it's obviously illegal, right? But yes. are they dangerous people? I don't know. <laughs> well, in fact, and, and in fact, I'll read the description of the people that were arrested for this. Yeah. <laughs> but this, like this, uh, this other headline was on the guardian and it made me laugh. Right. And the first line of this other article too, which I'm not going to really talk about too much was special agents in America have busted a smuggling ring on the U S Mexico border. And <laughs> so it's like real dramatic, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I know. But their hall is not drugs or the immigrants that president Donald Trump <laughs> rails against with his big, beautiful wall. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Love, it's just so dramatic. I mean, so, this stuff is incredible. These writers are incredible. <laughs> they are. I would watch Cactus Cops. I would be yeah, today Cactus on Cactus Cops. So the the plant in question uh, is this living rock cactus, and it's it's really a cool little organism. It but is, not that not so cool that you should harvest it out of the ground. Oh no, no, you should again go get a camera and go look at it <laughs> yeah, in yeah, Big yeah. Bend where it lives. Um, and so the uh, the scientific name of this um, cactus is Areocarpus fissuratus, and it's interesting for a lot of reasons. One, they look, I mean, they literally look like little star shaped rocks, rocks that just live on the ground, right? They mm-hmm. only grow a couple inches tall. They really don't get very big. And until they flower, you probably would never notice them. Uh, they're, they're just kind of there. They're fuzzy. They don't have spines. They're just kind of squishy little, they, uh, again, they look like kind of plush cactus cacti. But then they flower and they put on a large, beautiful pink flower that's almost the size of the plant itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are endemic to the Big Bend region of Texas. So kind of uh, Rio Grande, far west Texas, um, kind of southeast of El Paso. And it's the only place on the planet these um, cacti grow. Uh, they yeah. are 100% endemic to this area. And it turns out that collectors in Europe and parts of Asia are, they're just crazy about this little cactus. They will pay thousands of dollars yeah, for, for one single, for one single one, one little specimen. Um, and so like you say, it was some folks said, well, I live on some land where these cacti grow or I, I, you know, know where some land is where, where they are. I'm going to go dig them up and put them on eBay and sell them to these collectors. And, um, if you're on plant social media, which I know sounds super dorky because I mean, okay, it kind of is. <laughs> it's social media for plants. So it, only it is. plants can join. It's yeah. Real boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, so there's all these trade groups on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and where people, yeah, buy and sell and trade plants, which is, is generally fine. Right. Yeah. But these are 
a protected species. They are, because they're endemic just to this one area, uh, they're very endangered. And because they're apparently in such demand, um, in the trade, the, uh, scientists are really concerned about their numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and what we've seen is that, you know, some Asian cultures are super into this plan. Uh, according to this article in China, it's a, a gift that has begun to be given to newborn children because these cacti will live 80, 90, 100 plus years. And so, yeah. Uh, the tradition is you give it to a baby and that cactus lives with the the child as it grows up. And, and, cacti, and so when they harvest these cacti, I mean, they could, they could be like 50 years old. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. That's uh, crazy. Especially, especially in their native environment, they're not going to grow very fast. So you could find one that's, you know, two inches across and it could be older than you are. Yeah. Um, and so uh, recently there were six Texas men who had been illegally shipping these plants to foreign buyers. Uh, and they just pled vil- uh, guilty in federal court, yeah. federal court y'all. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's a big deal. So, um, one uh, one of these men, 47 years old, uh, agreed to th- three years of probation, $7,200 in fines, and forfeiture of uh, the cacti. The other five men involved, uh, aged 60, 72, 61, and 67. Um, <laughs> these, are, these are master gardeners. They're master gardeners. <laughs> that is exactly right. Um, their penalties included probation, forfeiture of firearms, because they're felons yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And $137,000 in fines and re- restitution. Do you think, now, do you think those firearms were like, they were, they had them on them because they're like, you know, this, this plant smuggling gang <laughs> or were they using to protect their cacti or was it just, they just had guns. They, they probably just had guns, but it's illegal for a felon to own a gun, a firearm. Wow. And, and so since they were convicted in federal court, they have fat felony charges and, you know, they had to forfeit their firearms and all this other stuff wow. f- for selling cacti. <laughs> and, here's here's a really interesting uh, couple of lines in this article um, that I'm just going to read verbatim because it's really interesting. Federal agents said the various traffickers had worked in small groups but did not all know each other. They had like forced anonymity in this smuggling yeah. ring. The eight-year investigation, eight-year investigation involved more than half a dozen state and federal agencies, including state game wardens, <laughs> Homeland Security investigators, U.S. Postal inspectors, and National Park personnel. Yeah, this is like what season six of twenty four. What uh, season are they on for the that show? Twenty four. This I, is. Like, I think it's about season six, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Jack Bauer yells for an hour every episode. <laughs> is that, or it makes me think of like if Breaking Bad, you know, instead of like cooking up crystal meth, he was selling, you know, rock cacti. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like no, it's they talk about here is. You know, if they hadn't if they hadn't stopped them in a year's time, would have made five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars easily. Yeah, That's yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> man. Crazy. And uh, it said we we they intercepted hundreds of boxes that were being uh, mailed overseas, but it was just kind of a drop in the bucket. Yeah, and, yeah. And and for some of the same reasons we've already discussed, you know, there there's multi. It's th- this problem is multidimensional, right? And you kind of think about it, and I know we're kind of joking about it, and it it's it is funny. Okay, it is kind of funny, um, 
but it really is a, a real concern because we're again taking these plants out of their native habitat and not only that if we take them all out of that habitat chances are good so I don't, if if you've never been to the big bend part of texas it's dry and rocky and and fairly arid um these plants are going to places where like they're not going to establish a new colony we probably don't want them to but like my point is if we take them out of this native habitat send them all over the world we're probably going to lose them in the next hundred years, right? Right. We'll lose yeah. a very cool species. Which we could learn a lot from. Like species diversity is always something to preserve because there's so much new th- novel things. So much of our novel technology, it might be uh, drugs, medicine, pharmaceuticals, like all kinds of things come from species diversity and all these different chemicals or compounds we can learn from different things. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, on, on the one hand, it, it's, it's, you know, it's very serious because the consequences could be quite, um, quite deep. But, you know, I find it, I think it's funny because usually when we think of smugglers, gangs, special agents, we associate them with these high crimes like drug smuggling or people smuggling or something like that. And, and those are all like very dangerous yeah. Uh, very personal humans and things like that. And when we think of plants or insects, I mean, we just think of them as these like friendly, cute things, these things that you just see all the time outside. Right. right. And we just don't associate them with um, these high crimes. And so we're talking about these special agents investigating smuggling, oh, yeah. drug smuggling of these plants. It's like, it's just it's pretty amazing until you really learn more about it. You're like, okay, this is kind of serious, but still kind of amazing <laughs> yeah it just sounds absurd at face value but then you think about like the you know the, the ecological impacts of just the plant itself but yeah. what if you accidentally trans like transmit a disease um you know i yeah. think um you know here in texas a big issue is like citrus screening mm-hmm. right where oh, yeah. uh texas florida other places where um you know if you were you cannot move a citrus tree across the state lines like, oh gosh yeah. you cannot well, do not it. even across certain county lines if it's right. a quarantine yeah county yeah for sure and, and so there's there's a lot of legal issues that um that are kind of wrapped up in this whole plant trade and then you start thinking about the size of the plant industry mm-hmm. and the um uh you know go to the box store buy some plants kill them in your front yard industry is about a 60 billion dollar a year industry gosh. and then if you add in um the, the landscape sector of like people that are installing landscapes, managing lawns and landscapes, it's in about another $60 billion. So we're looking at a, a, an ornamental plant industry that's 120, $130 billion a year. And you start to think about it in terms of the money involved and the, the research and development that goes into, and this is a little bit of a separate issue, but the research and development that goes into like patented and trademarked, germplasm for some of your your um plants your genetic lines and Mm -hmm. uh stuff happens i mean there is a lot there's a surprising amount of plant crime yeah turns out yeah yeah. um (laughs) and not all of it is what you think right so yeah don't go break uh leaves off of succulents at at the the box store and take them home that right may seem like it's not a big deal but it is illegal right you are stealing patented technology i mean it's almost like equivalent you know if someone thinks of it as like it's not a big deal especially if it's broken off and fall on the ground it's equivalent to like illegally downloading a song or software right sure. so like in a sense you're not taking uh you, you know that that artist or whatever may not have noticed that you've taken it you're not taking it from a limited resource or pool but you are taking something that, that artist created 
and not compensating them for it. In that same exactly. way, there are horticulturalists that have developed that germplasm and it, there's a patent on it. And so when we, when we take that cutting, then you are, in a sense, uh, taking their work without compensating them for it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and that's ex- and that's a it's a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did want to put a happy ending on this story, though. So they seized uh, federal agents seized <laughs> forty five hundred cacti from the smugglers, and a, and a botanist at um, Sol Ross State University uh, cared for them and found new homes for them. Yeah. And it's interesting because she's, she talks about how most of them went back to big ranches and the native habitat where people were willing to, you know, replant them, protect them, make sure that they got taken care of. Um, but it says she re- resisted pleas from cactus clubs and took down personal information for every person who received them. She also warned them it was illegal to sell the cacti. So like, you know, when, when these cactus clubs that I was talking about on social media, like found out that she had all these, they wanted to buy them from her. And she said, I, you know, <laughs> oh again, God. people just lost, like people are felons now because of these, I'm not selling these to you. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Um, but they did go back to, to live in the big band area and they're on private ranches now where they can kind of be, uh, monitored a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine, you know, being this botanist and all of a sudden you have to take care of this like four, you know, 4,500 endangered cacti that on average are probably 50 years old and find them new homes and ensure that the new homes you take them to are not just going to be, you know, reharvested and sold. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure and responsibility there. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know, just I... uh, we, you know, we talked about recording this episode a while back and I, I thought, I just think it's an interesting concept and it's something that people don't think about, but they should think about, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, in the worlds we kind of work in, in the, uh, you know, home, home horticulture and, and, you know, urban entomology and all of that, that there's real concerns that go into, um, a lot of the stuff we do. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, if there's ever a, um, you know, a script written about this, you know, they must include this comment from John F. Bash, U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Texas. Uh, it says, when you mess with protected Texas cacti, you're messing with Texas. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that's a pretty good quote. Oh, I love that. That's so good. <laughs> I'm, and I'm imagining, I, I don't know who, who would play, uh, who would play this. Like, I'm thinking like, I don't know, Sam, Sam Elliott, you know, the big cowboy hat. And I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so don't, uh, don't harvest and sell crops. You know, any international shipping of plants is, uh, illegal without a permit. So, right. Oh yeah. For the most part. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and even, even moving insects across state lines, you need a permit. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, sometimes when I need an aphid colony or I need some white flies, I can't ask people like just in Oklahoma or Louisiana, like colleagues to send me stuff because I would technically need a permit from the USDA and, in order to get that. And then bringing insects internationally is a whole other ball game. Whole other is, thing. Yeah. A whole lot of paperwork. And a good thing to end this on, probably speaking of plant crime, um, there's a, a big thing going around right now. You may have heard about of packets of seeds ending up in people's mailboxes yeah. from like anonymous Chinese senders coming That's from right. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are a variety of things. Um, I've just looking at some of the seeds. Some of them look like uh, that. I've seen. I, I have not gotten one. But um, I'm sorry. 
I know, I know. I keep waiting. <laughs> you feel left out. Keep waiting and waiting. <laughs> I'm a plant guy. They sh- anyway, um, they look like, you know, capsicum. So like pepper seeds and, and mm. most of them look like some kind of vegetable seeds, but we have no idea what these things are. Yeah. We don't know why they were sent. We don't know what, um, what reasons they were, they were, they're here for. So if you uh, do end up with a packet of these seeds, don't throw them away. Mm-hmm. do not absolutely do not plant them oh my gosh don't eat them yeah. um and call your local usda office and they will um probably come collect those from you they'll give you instructions on how to proceed uh, right. just because like we've been talking about we don't know what they are we don't want to introduce non-native um potentially harmful um seeds into our ecosystems and plants into our ecosystems because uh, right. we have no idea what genetics that'll introduce into our um uh into our trade and into our environment yeah and it could just be some crazy mix-up but you know we don't want to take that risk right so i mean right. it, you know it could be they have some kind of pathogen or there's some genetic modification that's going to mess up something but we really don't know what it is <laughs> so yeah. like you said there do not just throw it out Contact your local USDA office, and uh, they will have it arranged to 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 collect it and uh, investigate it from there. You may get to talk to a special agent. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you might make it to one of these news stories. I hope you in do. In a positive yeah. light. Yeah, 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 hopefully. Hopefully. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, that was a great thing to bring up. And uh, I think this has been good fun. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. Again, this is Airfon with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And Vikram with Texas Tech. Thanks for tuning in.